Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Today, we're going to be talking about something that's very dear to my heart, and that's about believing believing Jesus. Let me tell you some things you may not be aware of, but, but Google this, okay? Google it. Google this. Uh, if you haven't, and if you're not familiar with it, uh, it's called Christophany. Christophanies. You can Google it sometime if you can remember it, okay? Uh, different than theophanies, okay? Theophany means that God showed up. Okay, like uh, he did to Moses, okay? Christophany means that Jesus Christ showed up. Now, these Christophanies, people seeing Jesus, having a personal encounter with Jesus, it happened to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, you remember? You know, the voice from heaven showed up. Well, listen, I want you to know that God is not dead, okay? He's not. He's not, you know, inactive. He's not shy. He's not afraid to show himself strong. Jesus has been showing up to people in, a, in an appearance or in dreams or in visions and telling them things they needed to know specifically encouraging them to go places to hear more about him. Specific, uh, just like he did the Apostle Paul. When he showed up to the Apostle Paul, Jesus said to him, the voice from heaven said, go into Damascus. There'll be a man there that'll tell you what you, what you need to do. You see, because sharing the gospel is man's responsibility. Just like when the angel showed up to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He said, send down to Joppa, and you'll find a man named Peter, and he'll come back here, and he'll tell you what you need to know. Okay? It's our responsibility to tell people. For, for some reason, God has given us that privilege to share the gospel with others. But God does not mind interrupting someone with dreams or visions or even with Christophanies. We have been seeing Christophanies. We've seen them all throughout history, testimonies. Uh, and it, in the last 20 years it has seemed that they have really been on the increase, and you can read about this, especially in the Middle East. They've been on a dynamic increase. I mean, people are, are uh, you know, experiencing, having some experience they cannot explain where Jesus shows up to them in a dream or a vision or in, 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 in just some miraculous way and tells them to do something. Just a, just a few years ago, just a handful of years ago, I can't tell you who it was because, uh, uh, you know, these things uh, are, uh, you know, we don't want to uh, let our, we don't want to cause problems. But there were about, I think about 20 young men who were from, well-to-do families who were attending the University of Tehran in Iran. And each one of these young men had a vision of Jesus. He showed up to them in a vision and he told each one of them separately to go to another city that they were able to travel to, 
outside of Iran. They were in the university there. They were, you know, educated, well-to-do, up-and-coming young leaders of Iran and the Iranian culture. They had this spiritual experience, and so each one of them went and left the country. They did not know one another at that time. They didn't know that the other one had had, that another one had added, another one had added. And they went to another city in that part of the world. They went to a man, just like God sent the apostle Paul to a place. And then he told Ananias, go and meet him and tell him what to do and pray for him and tell him what I want him to do. Well, this man that they all were told to go and see, this man called a friend of ours, a friend of mine and Ken's. And, uh, and I won't tell you who it is, but he stood here in this pulpit and preached for us several times. They, this man in, in, in this other city who these guys had come to see called my friend. My friend hopped on a plane and flew there and taught these 20 young men for three days. Taught them like Ananias taught Paul taught them the gospel of Jesus Christ and what God wanted them to do and how to, 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 to uh, you know, get saved, get filled with the Holy Spirit and how to be the witness and how to discern that and grow in Christ even in the midst of their moment in turbulent Iran. They went back. Okay? Now I'm telling you that, that things like this are happening all around the world. I have another friend, a friend and his wife, who also have been visited our church. They're from the Middle East. And uh, he, he got a little upset. He preaches right now. His, 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 his word goes out all over all of, you know, Syria and Iraq and Iran and all, all, all throughout all that region right now. He preaches there. But he was a young man and his wife, you know, grew up. They both were willing and desirous to strap bombs on their bodies and go somewhere and blow up people like me and you. This is what they were, you know, willing to do desirous to do, felt like it was their, you know, the, the, something that they could do. They were militant. They were radical. That's what they wanted to do. And all of a the sudden, they heard a preacher preaching the word of Almighty God, the love of Christ, and something happened on the inside of them, and they, 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 they couldn't deny it, and they got born again and completely changed their lives. Now, they pastor a church. When I, when, when I go, you know, in fact, some of you go with me to Israel, perhaps I'll just get him to come and, and, and meet us and, and speak to us there, okay? He said to me, something changed. You know, I was like this, and all of a sudden, I heard the word of the Lord, the goodness of God, and Jesus saved my soul, and now I'm different, and now, he said, but I'm getting a little upset, because all throughout the Middle East as I'm preaching and teaching, and I keep running into people that have had Christophanies. I keep running into people that Jesus appeared to them. He said, I, he said, I want to know, wasn't I good enough? Why didn't Jesus appear to me? You know, he said, and so I started telling God, God, why didn't you appear to me? You appeared to all these other people. Why didn't you send Jesus to appear to me? He said, God spoke to him and said, the reason why I am appearing to them is because they have no witness. There's no one around them who can share the gospel with them. 
But the reason I did not appear to you is because all you had to do was to turn on the TV, turn on the radio, or just open up your ears. There are people preaching all up and down the streets in the town that you live in, and you could hear the gospel. You were hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You didn't need me to show up to you. You were hearing it every day. It was all around you. Well, I believe that it is our responsibility to share the gospel. You might think that, my goodness, Everybody would believe if Jesus showed up to them. No, they wouldn't. We don't know how many people he showed up to that said no. You remember Jesus was telling the story about a, a, a poor man and a rich man that died. And, and, and in hell, the rich man asked Abraham, I have five brothers at home. I don't want them to come to this hell. Would you send Lazarus? Would you send him back to earth to witness to my brothers and to tell them not to come here? Don't live like I live. And, and Abraham said, no, no, they wouldn't, you know. He said, oh, you know, they wouldn't believe Lazarus if somebody's raised from the dead. He said, yes, they would. They, they would believe somebody that raised from the dead. And Abraham said, nope, they wouldn't either. They have Moses and they have the law and the prophets if they would not hear, if they won't hear them, they would not hear something supernatural and spiritual. Wow, isn't that amazing? Now, this is how the Bible sees it. That our witness and our testimony of Jesus Christ is as powerful and important as Jesus showing up in person to someone else and telling them that they need to change their life. Jesus is the word of God. And when we share the word of God with others, a supernatural thing happens. Something as powerful as dreams and visions and Christophanies. Something that we cannot calculate. Something that we, 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 we cannot even see and imagine. I don't know how God does it. But when we share the word of God with people, something happens on the inside of them. You see, there is a spark. There is a spark on the inside of every person who ever lives on planet earth, there is a spark. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God loves every person, and he knows everyone by name. And in every person's life, there is a spark where they can say yes to God. They know God exists. The apostle Paul wrote, in Romans, the first chapter, that if you deny that God is, exists, you are lying to yourself. I'm paraphrasing. You're lying to yourself if you are in denial that God exists. Because inside of every person, God has put the knowledge of himself. You may not know his name is Jehovah. You may not know his name is Jesus. You may not know, you know, Elohim. You um, by the way, it's not the same as Allah and Buddha, and that is a bunch of junk, okay? But there is no other God, okay? That is no. Uh, you may not know, but there's a stirring on the inside of every person. And God is the one that is responsible to 
give that person a chance to know him, to say yes to him. And God's the only one that can judge that and decide that. But I know that I serve a God that gave his only son on the cross of Calvary and anywhere at any time under any condition that a man, a woman, or a boy, or a girl feels that drawing and that stirring of the Lord and they acknowledge almighty God and they say yes to him, they call out upon him, God moves heaven and earth to make sure that they understand who he is. He will save their soul by Jesus Christ if they will but call upon his name. That is a forever settled fact. There is no other gospel and no other truth. But sitting around us every day at work and school and in life are people who hear the word of God constantly and deny the existence of God. We must do everything we can to let our light shine. There is only one way to be saved. It's Jesus. And you have to believe. You have to believe. You must first, the Bible says, believe that he is. And then believe that he will reward you if you call upon his name and seek him. Believe. This morning, I want to challenge every one of us to believe. Just believe. I want to challenge you to believe in God and believe in his son. It's just a decision. There's a spark of God on the inside of you. There's a spark of God on the inside of you that says yes and amen to the word of God. You can't can't help it. You have to deny it. You have to suppress it. You have to keep putting it off. God's working on you and working in you and working with you and working for you. He wants to work through you. God is encouraging you every day as he is every person. He is faithful. You don't know what goes on in the minds of men and women. We only see the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. And God is dealing with people. And people literally all over the world today, all over the world, people in Iraq and people in Iran and people in Pakistan and, and people in, 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 uh, in, in Zimbabwe and people uh, you know, in, in, in Argentina and Venezuela and China and, and Nepal and people you know, in Korea and Japan and Thailand and Cambodia, people in the Philippines and uh, people on the islands uh, of, of, of the seas. Everywhere people are being saved today. Everywhere people are saying yes to Jesus. Everywhere the Holy Spirit is encouraging people to get born again. And if someone somehow is around them that can share the gospel over the internet or or, or in person or over a radio or a television or in print, they are hearing the gospel. The word of God is getting to them and they have a choice and a chance. And if not, Jesus is showing up to them in dreams and in visions and he's calling them and saving their friends and making sure that there's a witness, even if it's a private, secret witness, making sure that people get touched by his Holy Spirit, drawing them and offering salvation to everyone. Our part is to make sure that we can encourage people, that we can teach them it's our responsibility to send the word out through our communities and around the world. Because if people believe in God and his son, they can be saved. I have decided I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe that God is good, that in his kind. 
I'm going to believe that. It's a choice. It's a choice to make. When I got saved, it was a choice I had to make. I chose to say yes. I chose to say yes. The young rich ruler chose to say no. Some people do. Some people choose this world or choose their sin or choose their comfort or choose their pain or choose their drug of choice. Some people say no. It's a choice. I choose today to believe. I'm going to believe that God's word is true and right and just. Will you believe with me? Will you believe today that God is bigger than our current problems? He's bigger than our current political situation. God is bigger than our current divided nation. Our God is bigger. Will you believe it? Will you believe that God is bigger? Will you believe that nothing is impossible with God? Nothing is impossible with God. I will believe. Will you believe with me that if I ask God anything, he will hear me? And unless it goes against his will, his word, or his way, he will say yes to me and do it for me. He will help me every step of the way. When we pray, I believe when I pray, God answers me. Sometimes his answer is yes, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's wait. Believe with me that we can make a difference we can make a difference in our family in our community our decisions make a difference it's a decision that I'm just going to stand up here and do it right I'm going to shuck off the world I believe that we can make a difference and I choose to believe and I encourage you to believe that when we don't understand what happened or why it happened, that we can still trust God. Amen. He is good and he loves us. I believe, I've made up my mind, I believe. How about you? Amen. I'm going to believe. The world is not going to rob me of my belief. Circumstances, situations, not going to get robbed of my belief. Jesus when he was 30 years old, stepped out and began to take his place in society, in communities. History and tradition tells us that that culture allowed for a man to step out of his family, to leave and to cleave his mother and father and be joined unto his wife whenever he got married. But if he's not married, then at 30, he still stepped out. Okay? And what we see at 30 years old with Jesus is that Jesus walks from Nazareth down to the Jordan River and he gets baptized by John the Baptist. After being tempted in the Judean desert, and I'll show you that desert. You know, I'll, I'll, uh, those of you that are going with me to Israel, 50 of you, I'll, I'll, I'll take you right out into that Judean desert where he was tempted. 40 days and 40 nights. He went back to Nazareth, back to his hometown where he was raised. And the Bible says that that Sabbath, which is a Saturday, that Sabbath, he went to the synagogue. And since he was now a member of the community, you know, like a, like a you know, uh, 
a separate family almost. It's just him, but he's just, you know. Now, in commemoration of that, recognition of that, and also by the planned will of God, whenever he got to the synagogue, where he'd been going to this synagogue there in Nazareth all of his life, there were only about, you know, somewhere between 200 and 400 construction workers lived there. Y'all know construction workers, right? They, yeah. Well, that's what everybody thought about Nazareth. Yeah. They, they played hard, they worked hard, and they were hard-headed. <laughs> That's why, you know, Philip said, the old proverb, can anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, anything good come from that construction worker village? Those just are a bunch of construction workers, man. They, you got to watch them. Well, he went into the synagogue on that Sabbath, and the elders of the synagogue said, hey, Jesus, why don't you get the book? I mean, you're a, you're a man now. Why don't you get the book and come up here and read it for us? So he got the book. He came up and laid it down. He opened it up to the place where it was in, 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 in Isaiah chapter 60. You can read this account in Luke chapter 4. He got to that place and he began to read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captive, recovering your sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he begins to preach. And he said, this day, these scriptures are fulfilled in your ears. Well, that is a, a passage in Isaiah that's a messianic passage. It identifies who the Messiah will be. And he is saying, this day, this is fulfilled. I am Messiah. Woo! That didn't go over real well with his... You know, everybody knew everybody in Nazareth, and they knew that, you know, Jesus was odd, but he wasn't special. He was a little strange, but, you know, you know he's just Jesus. He's, you know, just the son of Joseph, carpenter. But they got mad. He's blaspheming. The men got up and went and got him. Can you all imagine a bunch of men? you imagine our elders coming and getting me right now and dragging me out of here and throwing me out in the middle of traffic because I am preaching blasphemy? Well, that's what it was like. The elders rushed on him. They got him. They drug him out of the church. We'll call it a church. It's a synagogue. But I'll show you that little place if you go with me. Built there, as tradition tells us, built there on the same foundation called the synagogue church in Nazareth. Paul, we've been there. Paul's from Nazareth. His family's from Nazareth. That little synagogue church. They got him. They took him out. They were going to throw him off of a cliff, going to kill him. And he passed through them. He turned and passed through them. Why? Because it wasn't his time. And he just passed through them. There's nothing they could do about it. And he walked off and walked down a hill and went through the little town of Cana, went down to the valley and walked down about 20 miles until he came to the city of Capernaum. And there at Capernaum, uh, he chose to live in that city and to make that city his home for the next three and a half years. Right there on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Well, when he got to Capernaum, you know, I mean, he'd just been kicked out of church. Okay? I mean, violently kicked out of church and was about to be thrown off a cliff. And if that didn't kill him, they would be down there in a minute to stone him. That's how stonings work. They threw you off of a high place and then went down to make sure that you were dead by throwing rocks at you. He just had a bad church experience. Anybody here ever had a bad church experience? He had a bad church experience. What happens when you have a bad church experience? You don't really want to go back. 
But do you know what the Bible says when he got to Capernaum? On the next Sabbath, he went right back into the synagogue in Capernaum. He went right back to church. Why? Because the Bible says that, he, that, that Messiah would be consumed with zeal for the house of the Lord. The Bible says, in fact, in Luke, the fourth chapter, that, that he went to synagogue on the Sabbath as was his custom. He had a custom of going to church. He went to church every Sabbath. That's because he wanted to. And he liked it and he loved it. He was consumed with zeal. He knew what happened in church and he loved it. The Bible says he came for the church. He died for the church and he's coming back for the church. He loves the church. Jesus loves church. If you want to be like Jesus, you have to go to church. Well, there in church in Capernaum, people were astonished, the Bible says. You can read it. They were astonished at his teachings because he taught as one having authority. He didn't teach as one of the scribes. There's something about his words. I mean, my goodness. And on top of that, he was healing people. And people with demons were, 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 were being delivered. And, and it's, it was amazing. And people were looking for the Messiah. The Jews were looking for the Messiah to come. It was the time for Messiah to come. That, that, that's what all the prophets foretold. And so people imagined, could this be the one? Could this be the Messiah? Could this be him? Well, this is where we pick up with Luke's account. Jesus has just gotten, he's been, he's been to Capernaum now a couple of weeks maybe. Okay. Verse 12, Luke 6. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Whew. Jesus went out. Jesus needed to pray. Yes, Jesus prayed to God and he prayed all night long. My goodness. Why? He had a decision to make. You know, when you have a decision to make, especially a critical decision like choosing who your apostles, who your disciples are going to be, you know, if you, my goodness, if you're going to choose a business partner, at least you can do is pray about it all night. Hello? Who are you going to marry? <laughs> okay. He prayed all night. And when it was day, verse 13, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose 12 whom he named apostles. Apostle means messenger, somebody that is sent, somebody that goes and does something for you, okay? It was Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, called Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. And he came down with them and stood in the plain, and the company of his disciples, and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem, and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases." Verse 18, and there went out, excuse me, and they that were vexed with unclean spirits, they were healed. Verse 19, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. Wow. Now, as I said earlier, everybody knew everybody in Nazareth, and everybody knew everybody in the whole region. There weren't that many people there to begin with. But in that region, everybody knew everybody. And they knew, I mean, some of them were cousins and some of them were family members. They all knew everybody. And they knew that something was odd about Jesus, but they didn't really, you know, expect. I mean, is, is he really? I mean, isn't this just the son of Joseph? 
But yet something was happening. Verse 19 says, For there went virtue out of him and healed them all. Of course, that's what's odd about this guy. That's what's strange about him. That's what's special. That's the reason why we are so drawn to him. The virtue of God is flowing out of him. The virtues of Messiah, that's why we recognize him. There is something, there are some elements that only God has that are in him. And God must be in him because the virtue of God, the virtues of Messiah, the Christ the anointed, those virtues are flowing out of him and it's healing everyone. Wow. This morning, quickly, not as quickly as the first service, but let's take a brief look at the seven virtues of Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. The seven virtues of Christ. These virtues flow out of Jesus, and they only flow out of Jesus. They, they flow out of no one else. No one else has these virtues. They come through Christ. They belong to God. They are gifts that God wants to give mankind through Christ. You cannot get them except they come through Christ. And so when we see someone giving them out like this, we know that they must have God in them. This first virtue of Christ is the virtue of salvation. You see, there is, as the Bible says, salvation in no other. The first virtue of Christ Acts 4, verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Only Jesus. You might say, well, is our church exclusive? Do we believe in only Jesus? Yes, we do. Jesus is the only one who can save. His blood is the only blood that can save. His name is the only name that can save. Jesus is the Son of God, Savior of the world, Messiah of the Jews, our soon coming King. Salvation is a virtue of Christ. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you, are, you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God. Each one of these virtues, just like salvation, is a gift that God has to give. A second virtue, restoration. Now listen, I, I have been saved, okay, because I believed in Jesus Christ. I had faith in Jesus, and virtue flowed out of him to me and saved my soul. But you know, since I have been saved, I have needed a few things. And one of the things I have needed on occasion is restoration. Psalms 23.3, the psalmist writes concerning Messiah, he restores my soul. <laughs> Woo, I love that fact. I love the fact that when I'm down and out, when I'm sad and it's gloomy, whenever I've done something I, 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 I regret or, or I've lost something that I wanted, I love the fact that I can go to him and virtue will flow out of him and restore my soul. And then he'll lead me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. I love that. Restoration. 
not only to save the soul from hell, but to restore the soul from the hell they've experienced in this life. This is a virtue of Christ, only Jesus. I don't know about you, but I, well, I do know about you. You need to be restored. Occasionally, you will need to be restored. Jesus can do it. Only Jesus. You're not smart enough. You can't get enough together to restore your own soul. Jesus can do it. A third virtue of Christ, revelation. You know, a lot of people know about God, but there's a difference in knowing about God and knowing God. You cannot know God except through Jesus Christ. You can read about him and you can, you know, you, you can be the most learned, the most educated person in the world, but there's something lacking that only comes through Christ. If you don't have Christ, you will not have the revelation of knowing him, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Ephesians 1. 1 verse 17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. There's something powerful about revelation. Many times when I'm talking to people about Jesus and they're just having a real difficult time understanding it, they just can't see it. it just, it, 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 it's just not meaning to them what it should mean to them. It's just, not, it's just not lighting the lamp in their life. It's just not turning on any bulbs. I mean, they're just not getting it. They're just not going, aha, I see that. Oh, whoa. I wonder, are they saved? Because Jesus in us should give us a spirit of revelation to know things that we cannot know, that we cannot understand, that we cannot calculate without him. How can I calculate eternal life? It's only by revelation. Because the Bible says, eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither is in the heart of any man those things which God has prepared for those who love him. But he has revealed them to us by the Spirit. I have a revelation on what awaits me. It creates an expectation because of this revelation. Number four, a fourth virtue of Christ is healing. Healing is a virtue. 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Healing is the children's bread. Healing. Healing is a virtue that flows from Christ. It flows from Christ. Listen, healing is a virtue of God that flowed through Christ and still does. Number five, the fifth virtue is provision. Matthew 6, says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. <laughs> provision, provision like salvation and restoration and healing and revelation is a virtue that's found only in Christ. You may not realize it today, but let me point you to the reality of God's word. God's word verifies that the fields will not yield their harvest without Christ. Everything was made by him and for him, and through him things continue. Without him, there would be no harvest in the fields. Cattle would not give their milk. Trees would not furnish their fruit. Provision comes from the Lord. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father above through Christ. 
Without Christ, you don't eat today. Nobody does. That's why when we sit down today, when I sit down to my fried chicken, I think I'm going to Golden Corral. They got some pretty good fried chicken. I did a no-no last night about 1030. I started watching YouTube. And what came up was how to fry chicken better and recipes for fried chicken. I watched about 30 minutes of that, and I went to bed listening to my stomach go. I woke up this morning. Brenda said, what do you want to eat? I said, fried chicken. <laughs> Brian can tell you, we went out to eat last week, and he said, you are impressionable. The two things they offered him, I bought. <laughs> he said no to. I said yes to. <laughs> I ate them. They were good. Fried chicken. Mm. Okay. Service is over. We don't eat today without Jesus. Isn't it? Whoa, that's scary. Guess what? You don't eat for eternity without him. Everything comes to It's a virtue. God has provided these wonderful free gifts for us through Christ. Virtue number six, empowerment. Luke the 10th chapter and verse 19, behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You know, the reality is, is that one of the virtues of Christ is to share his virtue with you so that you will be empowered as well. Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Power, power to be a witness, power to, to, to defeat the devil. We are empowered. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a candidate to receive the power, the virtue of God, to be empowered, to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all of the abilities of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Wow, what a power. That's a virtue of Christ, to give his followers power. Power over demons of darkness. Power over sickness and disease. Power to cast out devils. Power to speak in a heavenly language. Power to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. Power. We are candidates because of the virtues of Christ. The last virtue we'll talk about today Virtue number seven is regeneration. What in the world does regeneration mean? Well, if you've ever seen Doctor Who, you know, <laughs> same thing. It just, you know, it's only one time and it lasts forever. You can't kill the guy. He keeps coming back. Well, you can't kill me either. There's nothing. You can't do nothing. Jesus told, uh, you know, you can't take my life. Do you think this is my life? I am dead. My life is hid with Christ in God. Those bodies go to any graveyard and walk out there and count the bodies. Every one of those people who left those bodies is more alive than you are. You're the dead one. You can't kill me. I've already been killed. I already died. My life is hid with Christ in God. And one day I will follow him in the regeneration. Yes, 
I will receive an immortal body. <laughs> Boy, that's either fairy tale or gospel. Which one are you going to believe? It's a choice. Matthew 9, 20, 19, 28. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration... When the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones judging 12 tribes of Israel. He said, you'll be there. You will be there. You have followed me. Listen, in the regeneration, you're going to be sitting there with me. Wow. Woo! Glory to God. I love that regeneration thing. Never die. <laughs> Thank God I don't have to live like this forever. Praise the name of the Lord. Salvation, restoration, revelation. Healing, provision, empowerment, regeneration. All of these are virtues of Christ. But they're only found in Jesus. Only Jesus has the power to save. Only Jesus has the power to restore. Only Jesus has the power to heal. Only Jesus has the power to provide. Only Jesus has the power to fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus has the power of immortality. When Jesus was praying to God in John 17, he said, you have given him, speaking of Messiah, speaking of himself, power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. This morning I have one question. How in the world can I benefit from the virtues of Christ? What does that mean? How... How can I benefit from that? What does it mean? So what? I can benefit. You can benefit from the virtues of Christ. From salvation to restoration. From revelation to healing. From provision to regeneration. You can benefit by faith. Only by faith. Only when we believe, only when we trust. If you've been saved today, you are a candidate to receive restoration, healing, provision, revelation, regeneration. All of your needs, you are a candidate. If you've been born again, if you've not been born again, then you can be born again through Jesus Christ this morning. Call upon him. Simply believe. It's a choice. He's been working with you. It's a choice. You can say yes to Jesus today. But many of you, most of you, have been saved. Today's your day that you can say yes to being restored. Believe. He can do it. He's bigger than your current situation. Give it all to him today is a day that you can call upon Him for revelation so you can know what to do for healing, for provision. You can call upon Him today. Today.